You're listening to episode 204, The Art of Anti-Aging Dentistry, with Dr. Karush Madahi. So normally, when you see that in the U.S., you're just waiting for something to go wrong. Yeah, and yeah, high yeah. percentages of these teeth, right, become infected in the yeah. U.S., yeah. right? But yet, in Italy, I hardly saw that many infected teeth that had these incomplete root canals. Wow, interesting. So the question was for me, why is that? Yeah, what's the what, difference? What's the difference? It goes to the diet. This is the Dance of Life. My name is Tudor Alexander, and we are going to go on a journey to hack your mind, body, and soul for living your best life yet. Tune in every week to learn something new, grow, and get inspired as we discover the secrets of success and practice the art of fulfillment. And if it's one thing I hope you learn from today, it's that your life is a dance. And just like any dance, you can learn to dance it well. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of The Dance of Life. Thank you so much for being here with me. Hope you're having an amazing day wherever you happen to be. Friday, good old end of the week. Let's kick it off with some inspirational quotes, as always. A great smile is always in fashion. I don't know who said that quote, so if you can find it for me, super appreciate it. I was searching for this because, so you get a little bonus there, you're going to get two quotes, because I was searching for this and I, I could have sworn Coco Chanel had something about smiles and how you wear your smile and it being always in fashion, you know, she's fashion icon, so I'm like, I need to look this up, I bet Coco Chanel had some something to say like this, maybe it was her, and I didn't find, I didn't find that she said anything like this exactly, but she did say something that I'm going to include in our inspirational message today, and this was, this was pretty profound, she said, the best things in life are free, the second best are expensive, I love Coco Chanel, you know, she's actually got a lot of really great quotes, but this one was such an appropriate quote for today, because, you know, we're talking about teeth and health and oral health and all this kind of stuff that's often not talked about in the overall health scheme. But your teeth, they're amazing. They're these amazing structures that we get and, you know, the way the mouth works, The especially if you've had a lot of dental work or you've gotten into, you know, having to do research and, and solve problems for yourself in that area, you start to realize what a dynamic and advanced machinery we have everywhere, really, not just the mouth. But our teeth are amazing. They're something that we get for free. And, you know, that you take care of them, they're going to take care of you. But at the same time, they're like ticking time bombs, you know, and so if you've had dental problems, you know what I'm talking about, they can get very expensive. So, you know, with me and this podcast and sharing all these different messages for you, one of the big areas is health. I really want to make sure that I'm getting as much, you know, information out there that's make a, it's made a difference in my life, first off, and it's going to make a difference in yours as well with your own health. You know, so oral health is a big one. And I think when it comes to oral health and looking at that in, in our own regimes and our own health, the impact is not seen as the same. But in, in fact, especially after you listen to our conversation today with my esteemed guest, uh, you'll see for yourself the impact that oral health can have on the quality of your life overall, not just, you know, uh, in your teeth and in your mouth. So today, my inspiring guest 
is Dr. Karush Madahi. He's one of the most well-known dentists in the United States. For the past 33 years, he's created great smiles for many of Hollywood's top stars. He's been featured on Oprah, CNN, Entertainment Tonight. He's appeared as a dental expert on CBS, NBC, ABC, and The Doctors. He also wrote Anti-Aging Dentistry, and he's the founder of Luminu Oral Essentials. Really great guy. We're super excited to share this conversation with you. We're going to be diving into a lot of great stuff. If you want to follow Dr. Karush, he's the smile expert on Instagram. You can see some cool photos there with a lot of different people getting transformations. And if you want to check out some of his uh, products and offerings, Luminu Oral Essentials, that's all natural uh, whitening with no sensitivity. Really interesting stuff. You want to go to oralessentials.com. Today we're talking about the art of anti-aging dentistry and what does that mean? You know, Dr. Karush has had a prestigious career. He's still working in Beverly Hills, treating, you know, all kinds of different things with the mouth. And we're going to be talking about the impact of toxins on the oral microbiome, the alignment of the bite and how important that is for your overall health. You know, something that I personally learned is that the bite alignment can impact your experience of sleep apnea and sleep problems, something that most people have no clue in the United States and the world. So this is something that is emerging, the art of holistic dentistry, where we're looking at dentistry as a part of the greater puzzle of your health. This is an emerging area that's becoming more and more popular. So it's very fascinating because the mouth has a lot of impact on everywhere else in your body. That's what we're going to be getting into today. Super excited to share this conversation with you. Hope it empowers you. Hope it teaches you something. Hope it gives you some curiosity to learn more, obviously, in your own life. Health is a puzzle. So if you like this kind of stuff, make sure you subscribe. Hit that subscribe button. Share it with your friends. Anybody who's been struggling with some dental issues or has some questions who you know will benefit from this, share it with them. They need to hear this message today. And without further ado, let's jump into the art of anti-aging dentistry with Dr. Karush Madahi. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the show. I am joined with my guest here, Dr. Kurush Madahi. He is the smile transformation expert and Beverly Hills anti-aging dentist. What's up, man? Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to have you, man. I saw you uh, some cool pictures on your Instagram. You got like Timbaland and Mario Lopez on there. Like, <laughs> that's pretty awesome. How, how has that been for you? Are you still in Beverly Hills? You still practicing? Yes, I am in Beverly Hills. Yeah, office is closed. Um, only we do a few emergencies here and there um, under the guideline of California Dental Association. It would have to be a life-threatening emergency for us to go into the office. Other than that, um, pretty much staying at home, writing articles, um, and uh, finishing up on a book that I've been uh, working on. So. It's giving me some opportunities to actually do some of the other things. <laughs> yeah, you know, there's always something to do. It's just, you know, where where do we go, internal or external? I was going to ask you, um, how has that been for you to be in Beverly Hills? I mean, gosh, you, you're interacting with so many high-profile people. What's your, what has been your biggest lesson in the last, you've been doing it for over like 20-something years, right? Yeah, I first of all, I think the one thing that would be very surprising for people to hear is that uh, most of my high-profile patients, they're the most responsible, down-to-earth people. 
Mm. And easy to talk to. They follow directions really well. So mm. you are a dancer. Imagine yeah. if I asked you to do something all your life, you've been working with people that are telling you what to do. Mm -hmm. So you follow directions very well. So people in the entertainment industry, the greatest advantage of working with them is they can follow directions. Mm. That's interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's true in some sense, especially if you're successful, you have to have a follow the process to get somewhere, right? So usually it's like successful people when you're going and working with them, they know what it takes to get from point A to point B. So... Yeah, that's absolutely. interesting. Yeah, I mean, well, what is anti-aging? What is anti-aging dentistry? I've never, I've heard of like holistic dentistry, but I haven't heard of too much of anti-aging dentistry. What does that mean? Yeah, so uh, it started with um, back in about two thousand three, two thousand four. I was doing a lot of makeover. Make, I was participating in makeover shows um, with Extreme Makeover London and Entertainment Tonight, and all these things. And I was a part of a team that we would um, work on patients. I would do the teeth. There was a plastic surgeon. There was a cosmetic dermatologist. There was a LASIK surgeon. All of these people working together for a full total body makeover. And one of the things I started to see was I was the first to go because um, the people didn't want me to stretch their lips or touch their nose or anything after they've done the surgery. So naturally, I would do the teeth first, and then they would go in and do the rest. The comments that I used to get was, wow, after you've done the teeth, the amount of things I was going to do on the face decreased dramatically. What Mm. did you do? And I started to look at before-after pictures, and the basic lessons were these, that your upper and lower front teeth supports your upper and lower lip. Your back teeth uh, supports your cheek, the cheeks on both sides. Hmm. So if you have a narrow cheek, what, I mean, I'm sorry, narrow teeth, what's going to happen in, the, in terms of an arch? Like crowding? The na- yeah. W- w- when you are actually smiling, you have a big black hole between your teeth and your cheeks, number one. Number two is that your cheek starts to fall in and you get this hollowed look over time that fullness starts to go away and it's the same thing with the lips now interestingly enough there is a lot of fat in the cheeks and in the lips that stops (laughs) this type of an issue from showing up itself until in the late 20s early 30s the fat starts to go away and some of these problems that you've had all your life Mm. starts to get exacerbated Wow. So the whole concept of anti-aging dentistry is how to restore this type of a support in your mouth for your face with the use of crowns and veneers. So you not only you beautify the smile, you get the smile you've always wanted, but now you also have better support for the face. Wow, that's fascinating. Yeah, I mean, I, we were just talking a little bit off air, but I have been really diving into just the impact of the mouth in general on so many things lately. I've, I've had a lot of like little cavities when I was younger, like, you know, early in college and stuff like that. And now I've been, you know, looking into a lot about the impact of structurally how the mouth affects like sleep apnea even and all these different things. It's just been fascinating to see. I, in fact, I just like literally 
like yesterday I went for uh, a review of a bunch of tests that I had done at this holistic dentist that I'm at. It put me up to this jaw machine. I mean, I, I took a picture of it, of course, <laughs> it looked like yeah, yeah, yeah. Frankenstein, but it was so fascinating to see what a dynamic environment the mouth is because most of the time, especially I think with, uh, you know, with something like, let's say brushing your teeth, whatever, like most people think, oh, well, you know, I'm flossing, I'm brushing my teeth twice a day, whatever, you know, like I'm, I'm doing good, you know, but really it's so much more to oral care and even therapeutic because we're all born with different issues, right? Like we're all born with different things that, um, let's say morphologically or, you know, structurally they're, they're not quote unquote right or optimal in our mouth. So what, like what kind of cases do you often see people come to you for? Or is it more like they're coming in for one thing? They're like, here, actually, you know, if you, if you fix this, then your problem is not even going to be need to be treated. Like what kind of situations does this usually address? So I, I'm going to categorize the different situations. So the majority of people are coming in because they're not, they're unhappy with their smiles. So it's a more of an aesthetic thing, right? Uh, it is as extreme as people not leaving their house because their teeth are so broken down and, or the, the, it is so discolored and uh, crowded that they don't feel that they can apply for a correct job to people that are on camera, but they feel that the smile is hindering them from being more successful. Mm. So that's the number one category of people that want to either gain back confidence or they are doing it because uh, they want to do something in terms of being able to smile more and also uh, get ahead in whatever career. Um, mm. And a lot of them are not in the entertainment business. They're just regular people that are going for job interviews and they're unhappy with their smiles. Mm. And people think that they're always sort of either upset or they're frowning or they're not as inviting. It's just that they are not... Um, they're not confident about their smile. Mm. So that's the first category. Then there's a second category of people where they have bite issues. Mm. So when you were talking about structure, we now get into teeth are not in proper positions. And then what has happened is that these type of people either have been clenching or grinding on their teeth and damaging their teeth. And now, there is a much bigger, wider type of a problem that has to now be fixed through reconstruction of their teeth and their bite. Mm -hmm. So imagine people that are grinding their teeth. So one of the main reasons for grinding is a bad bite. So if you have a bad bite, you grind and grind and grind. And now years has gone by. You've been grinding for a while. Now your teeth are shorter. Your bite has changed. The enamel is gone. Teeth are more sensitive. So how do you restore that sort of the original length back to the teeth, but in a proper position? So that, I would tell you, is the second category of people. Mm -hmm. Then in the third category, which is a subcategory of structures, again, there are people that either their lower jaw has grown too much or too little, mm -hmm. or your, their upper jaw has grown out too, too much or too little. Wow. So there is an imbalance between the upper and the lower jaw. And what used to happen is that their only choice would have been to do what is called orthognathic surgery. That means that they would detach the upper jaw, bring it either forward or back, 
or they would cut the lower jaw on either side and move it forward or move it back wow. in order to get the upper and lower jaw in the proper position. <laughs> so I have um, figured out some techniques of certain group of people, I would say up to 60-70% of these people, that we are handling them non-surgically again with the changing of the, uh, the uh, doing crowns and veneers on their teeth and changing the positions of the way that the teeth come together. Mm-hmm. So they're avoiding surgeries. That would be another category. Wow. The one that I think I am most proud of, um, you mentioned the anti-aging dentistry, but I wrote a subsequent book called The Hidden Epidemics. Mm. And in that book, I started to look at the trends that were going on that it is mouth and teeth related, but it's happening on a much grander scale due to other things that are happening in the environment. So it's interesting that you mentioned you had gone to the holistic doctor and they're putting this gadget on your face. Seems like outer space type of a thing. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and checking to see your bite and your jaw and everything else, right? Yeah. So I will tell you, um, one of the things I started to see was that people that do any type of clenching, for example, mm-hmm. clenching is mainly due to stress. So early on, I've been practicing now for 33 years. So I've had the opportunity to really look at the different trends over a long period of time among my patients or the patients that were coming to my practice. And the early signs and early things that I saw in my practice initially was with people with clenching, Mm. mainly female, mainly somewhere between the ages of 25 to 40. These were the primary category early, early on. As years went by, the number of clenchers in terms of an age range went down all the way to 15 years old and above. More female, but still male, started to play a role as well. So the question is, why? Why would that trend change? And why are more people clenching at a younger age? And that goes to the whole stress of being in school, applying for college, or being in college under so much pressure because there's so much more competition than ever before. So imagine in the past 20 years, the number of applicants worldwide into the United States has increased. Getting into colleges has become more difficult. Expensive Test too. <clears throat> very more much more. Huge debt. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. yeah. And then the, even the test scores are going higher and higher. So in order to be able to get into a good college, it's become very, very difficult. As a result, that has transferred a lot of stress on these people. Hmm. So that was one early type of um, epidemics in terms of clenching that I started to see as a result, headaches, consumption of Tylenol, Advil, Aleve, and all of these things, having headaches all the time, um, feeling foggy, all of those things started. I I saw that trend coming together. The second trend that I started to see was people having more sensitive teeth. Now, Mm. certain group were having more sensitive teeth, mainly due to some clenching, but this type of sensitivity that I'm talking about, they were doing their clenching or they were improper brushing. 
they're removing their gums, right? It, yeah, it yeah, would yeah. make their teeth more sensitive. But this category that I'm talking to you about, it was mainly due to the use of whitening products. Mm. So, um, yeah, I've used the, some of those, and man, they do like some of that stuff yeah. really knocks your teeth out for some reason. I'm like, isn't this supposed to help? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. So, so you use it, your teeth become sensitive. Main, mm. The main reason for the sensitivity comes from hydrogen peroxide. That's mm. the effective ingredient behind all whitening products. So how does that make your teeth more sensitive? Does it expand the pores in the enamel or something? Or? So, so what happens is actually it, um, it etches the enamel of your teeth and opens up the pores mm. that are being closed up. So it opens up the pores. It doesn't open up the pores indefinitely, but for a very short period of time, you feel more sensitivity mm -hmm. and there is some gum irritation. The main issue is that it's not the whitening that you're getting at the dentist. People started to use whitening toothpaste, whitening mouthwash, mm. and now they're exposing their teeth and gums to hydrogen peroxide on a more daily basis than they were before. So a whole lot of people started to develop sensitivity, and that's one of the reasons why Sensodyne became the uh, number two best-selling toothpaste Hmm. Because there were all this sensitivity that was coming around, but it was mainly due to the whitening product. Wow. But underneath the whitening product was the sort of the explosion of Starbucks. So wow. Starbucks. Expanded, That's interesting. The consumption of coffee wow. and tea started to explode, actually. So people had more staining. And then they were using more whitening products as a result. Wow, that's fascinating how one thing trickles into another like that. That's crazy. That's right. That's right. That's right. Wow. And um, the biggest one, the biggest trend that has been in the, I've been working on for the past 10 years. And this is, I think is going to be very surprising to you and to your listeners hmm. is dry mouth. Hmm. And so remember I told you I've been a dentist for 33 years. Yeah. So I see thousands of patients per year. One of the things that I saw is that on the medical history, initially in my practice for the first 15 years, I hardly saw people that are taking many medications. In the past 15 years, I have hardly seen anybody that is not on some not. <laughs> Right. Sad. It's sad. Right. So what has that got to do with the subject of dry mouth? Hmm. There are now more than 450 types of medications that causes dry mouth. What is dry mouth? Is decreased amount of saliva in your mouth. That decreased amount of saliva mainly comes from the impact of those medications on a neurotransmitter in the brain called acetylcholine. Mm. that decreases and regulates the saliva so it starts to decrease saliva. Mm. So what happens when you have decreased saliva? Number one, saliva is your first line of defense. It's your natural antibiotic. Yeah. That is what is fighting the cavity-causing bacteria in your mouth naturally. So when you have decreased amount of saliva, what happens is this cavity-causing bacteria start to rise and go through the roof, even though you might have the best oral hygiene in the world, mm. even though 
you may have the best diet in the world. It would. If you have bad oral hygiene and bad diet, it would even worsen much more rapidly. Wow. So what were some of the signs and symptoms that I saw where people had uncontrolled cavities. Every time I saw them on the checkup, they have some two or three cavities, even though for a long period of their lives had no cavities at all. <laughs> it, it was happening more and more and more. And finally, I saw it with my own mother-in-law. Wow. See, I was, she, she's been coming to my practice all these years. There's nothing going on. All of a sudden, it starts every three to six months, four to six cavities. Wow. Every time. And no matter what we did, we couldn't control it. <laughs> Until I started to look into, okay, let's see what changed five years ago or four mm. years ago. And what happened was she developed high blood pressure and she had some heart issues. As a result, she started to go on medication. A year or two after is when the cavity started. Wow, that's so interesting. So normally, you would have only seen this in the elderly population because that's when people would go normally on medications. Yeah. But now, I saw a huge penetration into the younger generation. Hmm. People as young as 15 and 16 um, started to develop some of these problems, and I didn't understand why. So when I started to look into the medical histories, they started to, they were diagnosed with ADD, ADHD. They were on antidepressants, um, uh, wow. uh, uh, anti-anxiety uh, medications. They were taking these. And the number one category of medications that causes dry mouth is the sort of the anti-anxiety, anti-depressants. Yeah, the SSRIs or whatever. Uh, absolutely, the SSRIs. Yeah. These are very designer drugs. These are the number one. Oh, but yeah. even allergy medication, even heart medication, um, even if you take Tylenol on a da daily basis, you will have dry mouth, Advil, it doesn't matter. Anything mm -hmm. that has anything to do with the nervous system, it will play a role in, in terms of a dry, a dry mouth. But those that are on antidepressants or anti-anxiety medications, because they take it on a daily basis, you see it in them at a much, much higher rate. Wow. And because there's so many, even kids, that are on some of these medications, I yeah. started to see that. Man, that is fascinating, especially when you add up all these different trends, like with the coffee and then the, let's say, antidepressants and stuff, and it's like it has such an impact on oral health. And I don't think people realize. I mean, it took me, you know, like I had a situation recently where I had a crown that I, would, that I had put in whatever like a couple of years ago and out of nowhere it just blew up I never had that happen before like just the pain you know and I had to get an emergency extraction done and it was it was a very enlightening experience that I'm very lucky everything turned out great you know I was I wasn't uh, in pain for too long but it was in pain for long enough <laughs> let's put it that way and it really taught me like, man, your teeth are like time bombs. And, you know, every, it's like a train heading towards a cliff. You've got to slow it down as much as possible because you only get one set. We can't regenerate them yet. So your ability to, to, to see all these different factors, because it's like, okay, like I said, you know, if you're brushing your teeth twice a day, you know, in the morning and at night, and maybe you floss every now and then, like, that's not enough. There's so many other things that come into play, like the saliva. Like, for example, if you have 
an acidic saliva or not enough saliva, like that's a huge impact in your oral microbiome. Maybe we can talk about that because that's something yeah. I think people don't have any clue about, which is right, right. the impact of, of the oral microbiome. Yes. Before we get into the oral microbiome, I want to ask you a question. So yeah. You've never talked before, right? Yeah, I never, have never, never seen your teeth before, right? <laughs> First time. So, so the, regarding the crown that you told me that it blew up, yeah. was it the last crown in your mouth? Last tooth? You know what? It the was last... the second to last tooth on the upper side. Okay, second to last tooth. Right. Um, so did you have a root canal on that tooth? Um, no, but the, when the guy did it, he said that it, I would probably have to get a root canal eventually. Yeah. So, 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 so let's talk about for a second before we move off of this subject. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people would, are in this boat anyway. So yeah, yeah, there are actually a lot of people in this boat that they don't know exactly what's happened. You have a tooth. It's all, it's been okay. You have a crown on it. All of a sudden there, there is this big problem with it. Yeah. Most likely, most likely there is also the tooth got fractured. Mm. So when I'm looking at you, I think you are a clencher. Mm. You clench. Yeah. You do competitive dancing. All the people that are in any sports or into dancing and everything else, they're clenching their teeth much more than the regular public. Oh yeah. That clenching puts a lot of pressure on teeth, can crack it. And all of a sudden, you can have infection and problems with your teeth. Wow. So I often tell people, all the athletes that I work with, to always wear a night guard or something mm. in their mouth when they are practicing mm -hmm. and so that they do not clench down on their teeth too much. Okay, so that's interesting. Yeah, I actually, uh, I'm gonna be getting a, one of these. You probably guards. know what it is. Well, it's like, um, sort of, it's an orthotic thing that yeah, basically orthotic. the next thing is to get the, the bite realigned. And yeah. so, but what's interesting is on that machine, one of the machines that I had my jaw pressure measured, that the, the biting strength was like super weak. It was like, you know, 30% of what it should be because I guess the, this is so interesting, but like the jaw is like torqued slightly to the side. So for whatever reason, it's if muscles aren't firing. So it's like, okay, I, I know I clench for sure. Cause I've catch myself sometimes like, you know, <laughs> like standing around clenching, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's just fascinating, man. So, but, but was the tooth on the right side of your mouth? Yeah. The, the right reason side. I'm asking you for that is that your muscles are much more protruded on the right than the left. Oh, the really? amount of pressure you put on your left side is much less than the right side. Hmm. So, so there is a bite issue, but again, the pressure on the right being higher is what would crack teeth. Wow. So just as, as, a, as a side note. <laughs> no, that's great. I appreciate that. Yeah, that's, that's fascinating. Well, I'm not surprised now that you say that because with <clears> the way that it was initially, like the, the crown that the guy did, and I'm sure, you know, again, a lot of people probably fall in this boat, like, it wasn't a clear, like the guy's like, all right, you'll probably have to get a root canal with this. Like it's not going to last. It will probably be a problem in the future. So assuming it was already vulnerable to some sort of problem, yeah. you know, cracking it and grinding, you know, that's, that's another situation. So, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, so now we go to the next subject. Oral next microbiome. Subject. <laughs> Let's oral hit microbiome. It. <laughs> so, so I, I think this is the most fascinating thing you have heard in a long while. Oh yeah. Because because I have been 
intensively on this um, sort of a path of understanding the connection between the mouth and the body. Hmm. And this has been a 10-year journey. And um, with also a, a person that I've been working with who he has been on this journey for more than 20 years of research. Wow. So first I want to explain to people what is oral microbiome. So I think it's best to first understand microbiome because people, some of your listeners may have heard about my microbiome in their gut and on their skin. Mm-hmm. Microbiome is just a, a, a group of microorganisms, mainly made out of bacteria, that are there that they do a specific functions or they do a lot of different functions for your body. So first of all, we are made out of bacteria. We have 100 trillion bacteria in our body to 10 trillion human cells. They outweigh us by 10 to 1. So number one. That's crazy. They are responsible for vitamin K production, for digestion, for the uh, mood neurotransmitters such as serotonin and dopamine. Um, uh, there are so many different functions that the bacteria is actually performing in our body. Without the bacteria, we would not survive. Mm-hmm. One of the main functions of this microbiome is to protect us. It's the first line of protection against infection and disease. Mm-hmm. So it's really easy to explain in the sense that every day you go out your eyes are exposed to all sorts of pollutants in the air. Why don't you get eye infection all the time? Mm. The main reason for it is the microbiome in your eyes. Mm. You're breathing in all sorts of chemicals and pollutants. Why don't you get more respiratory problems is mainly the microbiome in your nose. Mm. Why don't you get more ear infection? You are underwater, you go into pool, you do all sorts of things. Why don't you get ear infection? Main reason is the microbiome in your ears. In terms of the mouth, the microbiome in the mouth, so one thing people don't really know is that 98% of the bacteria in your mouth are healthy, protective bacteria. Oh, wow. That is what is protecting you against all of the different things that goes in your mouth. So when you're talking about catching disease, the main route of catching a disease is through the mouth. Mm -hmm. The main reason is that your hands is touching everything, and then you either is touching your face or touching your mouth, or you're picking up bread or sandwich and eating it, and then all of these contaminants are going somehow in your mouth. Mm -hmm. And because your mouth is so vascularized, there's so much blood flow into your mouth, any little bleeding or inflammation that you even have in your gums is a pathway for these types of pathogens of uh, pathogens, meaning disease causing bacteria and viruses to get into your bloodstream through your mouth. Hmm. So the microbiome is there to protect against it. So the number one action that they do is they are, your mouth is full of this microbiome and just they are picking up, taking up space by just being there and there is no real estate for other bacteria and viruses to be able to go under. That's the number one action that they do. Hmm. And then the other things is that they work 
on these type of harmful bacteria through a way of competition, try to keep them down so that they don't blow up and they don't go out of whack. Mm-hmm. So one of the main things that is happening is we are consuming antiseptic mouthwash and toothpaste on a consistent mm-hmm. basis. And we are destroying the microbiome in the mouth on a daily basis. And when we go in and, and uh, you look at the, even the advertisements on the bottles, it says kills 99.9% of the germs. That means 99.9% That's the good the stuff too. <laughs> That's right. That's the problem. Mm. But why is it this way? So I want to go a little bit of a history lesson. What happened was that in the past 70 years of dental research, dental practice, and dental education, it's been focused on killing bacteria. The main reason for it was bacteria causes gum disease, bacteria Mm. causes cavity, bacteria causes bad breath. So let's just go kill the bacteria. That's what was the whole thing about it. Mm. And we know from medicine that when you are using things to kill bacteria, since you cannot kill all the bacteria, over time you will have resistive bacteria. Mm. And that resistive bacteria becomes what will make that product ineffective over time. Mm. So the concept is flawed, but there's no other way of getting rid of these bacteria other than killing everything. That has been the thing. Mm. So I started uh, to work with uh, uh, one of my colleagues who happened to be the former chairman of the, uh, the period, advanced period, which is the gum surgery department at USC for 17 years. And in particular, he did an unprecedented study which turned on all sorts of light bulbs in my head and put me on this path. What he did was he did a study on homeless kids in Manila. And these homeless kids were infected with a bacteria called AA bacteria, which destroys the gum and the bone around your upper and lower forefront teeth and your back molars. Everywhere else is okay, but in this region, it starts to, the gums and the bone starts to recede. Wow. AA bacteria infects over one and a half billion people in the world. Wow. You see it, people in Asia, Middle East, um, Central and South America, it's prevalent. Is that because of like uh, sewage or water issues? Like what's, why, why is that? It it started, it started in Egypt and has been spread around through genetics now. And Mm -hmm. people have been just carrying it. And as they have trouble, traveled through other regions, it has spread out more and more. Wow. Um, a lot of people don't know it is that why they're getting so much, their teeth are getting longer and longer in the front and the gums and the bone was going away. They didn't know exactly what it is. And today still the dentists are not properly diagnosing these problems. Wow. Right. So what he did was in this study, he asked the kids to rub sea salt on their gums twice a day. And he followed these kids for 10 years. And what he found is that the gum disease, because this this bacteria causes gum disease in particular regions of the mouth, the disease stopped. Mm -hmm. Yet, 
the AA bacteria was still alive. Wow. So that is the first clue as to it is not just the bacteria. There's something else is happening with this bacteria. Mm. It's the toxins of the bacteria that are important. So the reason why you get a cavity, it is the toxin of the streptomutans bacteria that are being secreted, which are acidic, that drills a hole through the enamel of the tooth, which becomes a cavity. That's interesting. So they're not actually eating your teeth. They're just producing somehow acids. Producing, producing acids, and that's just the byproduct of there being too many of them. Exactly. It's funny because we think, oh, bacteria is eating your teeth. I mean, you know, from being a kid watching cartoons and stuff, that's how you think of it. But that's that fundamentally is not correct because then that puts you in the position of, oh, I have to kill the bacteria as opposed to I have to support the right balance of bacteria in my mouth. That's so fascinating. Right. right. And, and, and it was the same thing about the gum disease bacteria, which is called P. gingivalis, is the byproducts and the acids that they produce. It melts away the bone and takes away the gum. It's, again, these are the byproducts that they're producing, excreting acids. Wow. What is even more interesting, these harmful bacteria, which are called gram-negative bacteria, mm-hmm they also contain toxin in their cell wall. So if you go killing harmful bacteria, you get that toxin within the cell wall to be released. Wow. So that's why this whole idea, what do we do that we don't kill any bacteria? Interesting. Yet we, what we are doing is neutralizing the toxins of the bacteria is mm. the key part of it, of this holy grail that we've been after, right? Yeah. And what happened was I started to work with Dr. Nozeri, the author of that study, and trying to figure out ingredients that are absolutely necessary in your mouth to keep your mouth healthy. Mm-hmm. The sea salt that he used has 20% minerals. So sea salt has 20% minerals. Table salt has only 2% minerals. So table salt kills bacteria. Sea salt doesn't kill bacteria, right? But it stops the growth of bacteria. Mm. And then Himalayan salt has 40% minerals. And then the dead sea salt has 86% minerals. Wow. That's why people from all over the world go to the Dead Sea if they have any type of a skin problem because the healing power of that salt. Mm-hmm. So we made, I made that as a signature ingredient in a product that I started to develop, oral care products, that first of all, we wanted to create a product to believe it or not, be non-toxic. So right. when I say that to people, people always tell me, what are you telling me? All these products that I'm using are toxic? I said, well, they have, tox- they have toxic ingredients in it, mm-hmm. artificial coloring, artificial flavoring, synthetic preservatives, all sorts of chemicals. They have toxicity. Right? Well, even the fluoride, honestly, I mean, we could probably talk, talk about that too, but fluoride in general, just pumping that stuff in your body all the time, I don't think it's a good idea. There's so many problems with it, but yeah. Yeah, so that's a, that's a very controversial yeah. aspect. Um, I want to touch upon it a little bit, not that you brought it up. None of our products has fluoride. As a dentist, I believe fluoride makes your teeth stronger. 
That yeah. belief is there. But the unfortunate fact also is because fluoride is in the water, fluoride is in everything you're eating, in potato, in broccoli, in cereal, yeah. everywhere. Everything you consume already has fluoride. Yeah. If you go to the site for Center for Disease Control, CDC, they talk about fluorosis as a bigger problem, which means too much fluoride. Mm -hmm. Too much fluoride is causing brittle bone, yellowish bone, all sorts of things in the skeletal of your body. So we purposely um, did not use fluoride, but we are using the minerals of the dead sea salt as an alternative to the fluoride. And we continue to do research on it. Mm. So the whole thing was, is there a way to create a product that's first of all is certified non-toxic, right? Secondly, it is not killing bacteria, but neutralizes the toxins of the bacteria. And on the third level, in terms of the whitening products, it does not use hydrogen peroxide, but yet it whitens teeth with more of the naturally derived ingredients. Hmm. And so if you look at the entirety of the population, you can categorize them in four different categories. Either people that want healthy teeth or gum, or, or they want whiter teeth, or they want less sensitive teeth, or they are suffering from dry mouth and they want to alleviate dry mouth symptoms. That describes the entire population, wow. right? So I went and did research, and we have to date have uh, uh, completed 51 clinical studies. Uh, they're mostly university studies on these products that I'm talking about. The name of the product is Lumino Oral Essentials. All of the studies that I'm talking to you about are on the website oralessentials.com. And we basically have gone head-to-head -head with the leading brands on each category, and we've proven that we're as good as them without having any of those chemicals. Wow. Being fully naturally derived. So again, at heart, I'm a scientist. Yeah. All I care about is an ethical product. I never in my wildest dream thought about developing consumer products because you gotta be so crazy or you think you have too much money to burn yeah. to want to go against multi-billion dollar companies and advertise and try to find a way to actually get a product out. It's so difficult. But I well, especially like these days, no I, think, I think people, they're just not as aware of, you know, like dentistry, I think it's coming around. I think everything's coming around as far as new awareness, new consciousness, but it feels like the dental industry as kind of like, let's say you compare it to, to normal medicine or whatever, like healthcare. If you look at, for example, allopathic medicine versus naturopathic, you can find a naturopath around every corner these days. You know, it's, it's not a, a wild idea to go and do natural stuff, you know, but with dentistry, it seems like that industry is starting to really come around now. Obviously there's people like yourself that are really championing all these different modes and, and ways of doing things. But for a while, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like nothing was really being innovated or changed in this industry. And it was... Yeah, I, absolutely. I, I do believe that uh, dentistry has been operating um, a, a bit in the dark ages, yeah. especially due to the technological advances that's come around. Um, one of the subjects I think is also worth mentioning 
I do practice biocompatibility dentistry. What, mm-hmm. what that is is that for years I started to see patients that they had these abnormal inflammations around their teeth. And no matter what we did, we couldn't get rid of these inflammations. And I didn't know what the hell it was. At the end of the day, I, what I found is I always brought it down to some sort of a restoration that they had on that tooth that was, there was certain level of inflammation around the tooth. So I started to look into testing of patients to see exactly what dental materials are actually suitable for the antibodies and antigens that they have in their body. Mm. And I started with um, working with a lab called Clifford Lab. It's in Colorado Springs. We do a drug, I mean, somebody comes and does a blood draw, sends the sample to this lab, and then we get results on 8,000 different dental products. Wow. And we find out what's suitable and what's unsuitable for that person. Now, we don't do this test for everybody, but definitely those people that are showing symptoms, mm-hmm. we do it. But as a result of hundreds of people that I've tested, I have made sure that all of the materials that I'm using in my office are the hypoallergenic materials. Mm-hmm. So imagine from the impression material that's put in your mouth, varnishes, cleaning products, orthodontic wires, to orthotic appliance, the material of the orthodontic, orthotic appliance, the night guards, crowns, porcelain, plastic fillings, mm-hmm. implants, implant crowns, all sorts of things, cements, all sorts of things can be tested. And we found the group of um, sort of the uh, uh, materials that more than 90% of the people are hypoallergenic, and those are the only ones we use. And then with the ones that are showing symptoms, we definitely test them. So that's one way you can take dentistry to the next level. The unfortunate fact of why there hasn't been so much innovation is mainly due to the American Dental Association and uh, also believing some of these things are not still well tested and they are not putting forward these types of ideas as acceptable yet mm-hmm. until it is mainly uh, being accepted and being taught in dental schools and dental hygiene schools, you're going to have a very difficult time to actually be able to have the healthcare providers educating the public about it. Mm-hmm. This is part of the issue. Even with mercury fillings too. I mean, I was reading a book, uh, it was a dentistry book. I think I forget what it was called, like the seven pillars of dental health or something like that. But anyway, one of the things in there, I was just shocked. I don't have any mercury fillings, but I was just shocked to learn the whole history of mercury fillings and how they swept that under the rug and they didn't want to, you know, sweep any legislation because it would freak people out. And, but it's just how toxic they are and how people, it's still a, practice today like it's still something that some people do which is nuts i don't right. think people realize the the incredible danger of having all that mercury in your mouth right so um, in the subject of mercury um so when i was going through dental school that was the material of choice yeah doing all sorts of even to pass the board the dental board we had to do a silver mercury filling on a patient otherwise wow. you wouldn't pass the board um, today, they, they don't have those type of, the, the board is not on the mercury fillings, yeah. but there are still 900,000 mercury fillings that are being placed in p- people's mouths 
per year in the U.S. Wow. Even That's though it is, a, it is a banned substance in most of the Western countries. It's a banned substance. <laughs> um, so uh, the reason for mercury being such a poisonous uh, problem is that mercury uh, exists in three different states. One is in a liquid form, as you've seen in thermometer. One is in a vapor form, and one is in a solid form. Mm -hmm. The main issue with mercury fillings, so when you have a silver filling, um, it can have up to 54% mercury in it. And every time you chew on it or you drink something hot, some of the mercury turns into mercury vapor and that wow. comes off of it. The problem with mercury vapor is that it can penetrate the blood-brain barrier and the half-life in the brain is 20 years. Wow. Yeah. So Holy smokes. That has been the main issue with it. Now, if you go to dentists that do not do mercury safe mercury removal, drilling on the mercury filling can expose you to 100 times more of this vapor wow. and leaving it in there as well. So you shouldn't just run out to replace it. You have to go to people that safely remove the mercury filling. That means you have the oxygen on your nose. We wear gas masks. We isolate the tooth. We have you rinse with activated charcoal um, in your mouth and swallow it to coat your mouth and also your stomach so that there is no absorption of the mercury. Uh, we have high-speed vacuums uh, that are uh, vacuuming the aerosol of the mercury out of your mouth in order to remove these uh, fillings. Wow. So it is very important to be able to remove it uh, also safely. So that's, these are the things that I'm always on the lookout for. And then there are certain people that have pretty big silver fillings. Mm -hmm. They got to be aware that every time you may change that silver filling, that may cause an irritation to the nerve and you end up needing a root canal. So you really have to be very cautious as to how you are replacing, which ones you're replacing, all sorts of things. That's why you need to be taken care of by experts in the area. Yeah, you know, it's, and it's, again, I don't think most people realize like the, the impact of the mouth on all the rest of your health. I mean, it, I remember I learned one time that the bacteria that can infect like let's say a root canal, right? That's why it's it's a contentious area. It can also infect your heart, you know? So in fact, one of the other ones that I personally have scheduled to get removed, I have a root canal on this other side. And when I had a thermography done, and I'm sure you know what that is, and probably most people listening don't know what that is, which I think will be useful. But I learned about that from another, another dental expert, and they were saying to do a thermography done to see where, if there's inflammation. And there was inflammation on this one. And so... I'm getting that removed, but I don't think people realize like with root canals, like it's a dead tooth. It's not, it's not, it's like having, it's like, let's say your finger falls off, right? And you, you sew it back on and it's dead. You just kind of hang it, hanging yeah. on your hand, right? I mean, it's pretty much the same thing. Right. So um, it's an interesting subject. That's another area of controversy. Yeah. So I, I want to um, give your listener a little bit of a background in terms of some of my own experiences and why there is such a controversy around about root canals, right? Yeah. Again, I, I always preface things with that I'm a scientist. I'm always looking at data. 
I'm always trying to figure out what is happening, what is the root cause of some of these problems, mm -hmm. okay? So um, the whole concept of root canals is the, the somehow the nerve is damaged, the nerve is dead, the, the nerve is taken out uh, uh, inside of your root where the housing of the nerve was is filled in with a material to seal it in order for um, infection and those things don't happen. That was the yeah. whole concept behind doing root canals. What happened was that many of the root canals that were being done continued to get infected, mm -hmm. continued to be a source of tox toxicity and toxins around the root of the tooth. Some of these teeth that had root canals were not being diagnosed with secondary infection because their regular x-rays is a two-dimensional x-ray and was not showing the exact um, infection in the back of the tooth because the other structures were superimposed on it. Mm. So this tomography or the digital cone scanning, cone, cone beam scan, all came into use over the past 10 years. And now we're able to take three-dimensional scans of the tooth and can look at each of the roots which we couldn't look at on a regular x-ray by use of this new technology. And we started to see that there is underlying infection around some of these roots that we were not actually doing anything about. So that's where the concept of worrying about um, root canals came about, primarily because if you take the nerve out, can you uh, truly be able to disinfect the tooth so that there would not be secondary infection? That's been the question that's being asked of many people in the dental community in terms of this subject. In countries such as Germany and Switzerland, if you have any cancer, they will not do any cancer treatment on you unless you remove all your root canal teeth, unless you remove all of your mercury fillings. Wow. So there are certain countries that have taken this and have taken it to a much a higher level. Um, in US, still root canals are being done on a regular basis. Now, I want to also give you some controversial facts opposing this whole idea. Mm -hmm. For a few years, I used to go to Italy and I used to treat patients in Italy. And believe it or not, 50% of the root canals that I saw in Italian patients were incomplete root canals. Wow. Badly done and incomplete. That high of a percentage, that's insane. That high, it was, it was mind-boggling. It was mind-boggling. Wow. Be first of all, there was not, not just such a high penetration of root canal specialists in, in Italy. So how were they not finished? Like was the crown or whatever? No, the no, so so the, all of the nerve, is, the nerve is taken out, but the filling didn't all the way go all the way oh, to the tip wow. of the tip. Oh, wow. Okay. Right? So yeah. normally, when you see that in the U.S., you're just waiting for something to go wrong. Yeah, and yeah, And high yeah. percentages of these teeth, right, become infected in the yeah. U.S., yeah. right? But yet, in Italy, I hardly saw 
that many infected teeth that had these incomplete root canals. Wow, interesting. So the question was for me, why is that? Yeah, what's the what, difference? What's the difference? It goes to the diet. Yeah. This organic food that's over there, there's just organic food. There's no non-organic. So are they more alkaline in their, in their bodies, do you think, from, from the diet? I don't know about the alkaline, but I know that the level of toxicity due mm. to the diet is not as much. And as a result, the overload of the toxins is not as much. The overload of toxin is on the immunity system. And as your immunity goes down, you become more susceptible to disease and infection overall. So it's like a two, two-pronged approach. I mean, first off, having a root canal is not ideal, but let's say on top of it, having a lowered immune system, it's just that's, that's really the combination that really creates yeah. the problem, especially in the yeah. U.S. Right. So wow. what you're not talking, to, talking about, let's not treat it, everything in a vacuum. Mm-hmm. Let's look right. at yeah, interdependence. the whole picture. Let's look at the whole picture. Yeah. So when you were talking about mouth and body connection, there has been a connection between gum disease, with heart disease, with um, diabetes, um, with early term pregnancy and immature uh, babies, premature babies, with colorectal cancer, with Alzheimer. You see, it's all over the body. Wow. The question was why? Why does gum disease cause all of these things? Mm -hmm. So more and more, one of the things we are trying to control is the inflammation in the body. Mm -hmm. Where do you have chronic inflammation? Where you have gum disease. Gum disease Mm -hmm. is a chronic inflammation. If you have bleeding gums all the time, you have chronic inflammation in your mouth all the time. And it's leaking into your bloodstream too. So, so you can swallow it. You can leak into the bloodstream. It can go everywhere. Mm-hmm. So the bacteria, the inflammatory uh, uh, markers are always go everywhere. Wow. So that's the connection, first of all. So we have to control what's going on in the mouth. Now, how do we control it? Again, making sure that you have correct oral hygiene. So brushing and flossing your teeth is a mechanical removal of this plaque that is causing inflammation. Second, you have to make sure that the oral care products you use are not killing all of these bacteria constantly, Mm. right? So the body is not being triggered to go fight the inflammation. Mm -hmm. The microbiome is trying to fight that for you, right? Third, we get into diet. So when we talk about diet, diet is central to the inflammation in the body, mm-hmm. right? So we're talking about anything that is alcoholic in nature, alcohol, alcoholic mouthwashes, it is killing the bacteria in the mouth. It's also swallowing of the alcohol. It also destroys microbiome in the gut. Wow. Food that has pesticides, pesticides, is a natural antibacterial. So food that has any type of a pesticide on it, when you eat it, it goes and destroys the microbiome in the mouth, in the body. So you got to eat organic as much as possible. As as much as possible. Now we go into the meat. 98% of the meat 
has antibiotic and hormones in it. Mm. So eating that type of a food is constantly destroying the microbiome in the gut. <laughs> so these things that you're seeing is a complete destruction of the first line of defense. Your immune system doesn't really come into play unless you have inflammation or infection, mm-hmm. right? So before that happens, something else is fighting it. If it fails to fight it, then your immune system becomes active. As the immune system becomes taxed by this overload of toxicity, it start, that you start to get sick, you start to get inflamed, you start to be fatigued, you start not to be doing as well. So mm-hmm. people only think if they have fever or they, cannot, they have to be in bed that they're sick, your body can be in a constant mm-hmm. chronic inflammation. You are fatigued. Your consumption of caffeine is going up due to the chronic fatigue. You feel cloudy and you don't feel right. All of these things are signs of a body that is overloaded with to- toxins. Wow. That's fascinating, man. That's so crazy. It's like so many things are interrelated. And like you said, we can't have, you know, one isolated thing. It's all related. I mean, that's just fascinating that that whole uh, case with Italy. You you found that out how you were studying in Italy. You were working there for some time. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I was. I was working. uh, I I used to travel there for two or three years every few months. And I would be treating patients in Mm -hmm. Italy. And I started to see. The, the color of the gum is different. So pa- patients that would come to me, I could tell if they are vegan or eat organic versus wow, non-vegan and really? non-organic. Based yeah. on what? Color of the gum. It's really? less red. It's really pink. It's really pink. Oh, I see. It's not as inflamed. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And then when I developed this type I of I got to go check water, my gums now in the mirror. Yeah. <laughs> But, but I tell you, the, all of these dental products that I was talking to, the mouthwash and the toothpaste and everything else, mm-hmm. what we found is the combination of essential oils, arga, or, or, uh, organic aloe vera juice with dead sea salt. Now I cannot tell anybody who eats it organic versus non-organic in terms of the color of the gum. We wow. have been able to actually get that inflammation out wow. very rapidly using these types of products because I'm protecting your microbiome because I am neutralizing the toxins of the harmful bacteria without destroying the bacteria. And I'm letting the microbiome do its job. Your body has survived for thousands of years. We were cavemen. We have been um, exposed to all sorts of things and we have survived. Why? Because of our own natural defense mechanisms. It's a beautiful I mean, machine. Right, right. And, and what are we doing in terms of man-made problems is due to focusing on one thing and making it as if this is the only piece of the puzzle. Mm. Bacteria is bad, let's kill them. That's, Viruses yeah. are bad, let's kill them. Viruses have actually been responsible for our evolution, yeah. our immunity that we have is largely due to viruses that have been around for a long time. And well, even using viruses, I think, for some gene therapy now too, to introduce some, uh, some genes, and it's really fascinating. Yeah, the, the gene therapy you're talking about, mainly in cancer therapy. Yeah. In cancer therapy, in the next few years, golden age of medicine is coming. 
mainly because advances in technology and biotechnology, and it's a use of bacteria and viruses in how to develop vaccines and developing treatment against diseases mm. using these types of things as well. Hopefully it won't be a zombie apocalypse like in the <laughs> I Am Legend. <laughs> That's so interesting, man. You know, I, I found out about this treatment that you can do with a laser on your gums. This is what one of the things the guy that I, I'm seeing right now. And to regrow the gum tissues, what, what are some things that people can do Obviously, we all have recession in the gums, and after you hit like three or four millimeter pockets, it starts getting you know significant. So, what are some of the things we can do to lessen that and also potentially regrow the gums back? Because that's a huge part of oral health too. Right. So, um, let's first talk about what is the etiology behind the gum recession. Believe it or not the number one cause of gum, uh, gum recession is not disease. Mm. Is what toothbrush you use and how do you brush your teeth. Wow. That's the number one problem. So if you're using anything but a soft toothbrush, if you're a scrubber, you're going to remove your gum. Mm -hmm. If you use medium or hard toothbrush, you're going to remove your gum even faster. Mm. If you use an electric toothbrush improperly, you're going to remove your gums faster. Mm. Uh, so that's the number one area. One of the things I tried to do was I did research on a, a form of bristles um, that I made in a toothbrush called, uh, that is made out of uh, castor oil. And there's a flexibility to this uh, bristle and there's a softness to it and it lasts about three months. Wow. So I'm trying to, I tried to figure out a way that those people that are not brushing their teeth properly, at least not damaging their gums. Mm. And that was my contribution in that area. So gum recession, number one, is that reason. Wow. Another reason, anytime you do clenching and grinding, the amount of pressure you're putting on your teeth is going to cause gum recession. Mm. So a lot of patients come to me and they want to get their gum to grow back or do some sort of gum grafting but what i see is as long as the improper brushing improper toothbrush clenching and grinding is going unchecked it doesn't matter what you do with the gums it's yeah. still the internal needs to be fixed along with the external you can't just yeah. put a patch on that's it. right that's absolutely right so that's a very important aspect to know that's interesting lasers um Lasers have found their way into the uh, dental field, and it's very exciting because some small cavities now can be done with a laser instead of numbing the tooth and injecting and also drilling big holes. You can do it with lasers. These are heart tissue lasers on smaller cavities work. Hmm. Um, you can use lasers in certain areas with the gums or if there is an overgrowth of gum, you can remove it with a laser much easily without so much post-operative pain, swelling, or anything else. Hmm. Okay? The growth of uh, gums with laser is still a very um, early stage yeah. type of treatment. There is a lot of controversy around 
being able to grow gum back either through the use of certain injections or with lasers. Mm-hmm. Um, there is some evidence of some gum growth, but it hasn't been to a level that has been reproducible mm-hmm. multiple times to believe that that is actually happening or long-term that growth stays. Mm-hmm. So even with gum grafting, what I saw early on, people would do gum grafting. Everything looked good, but after two years, that recession has came back. So you, wow. it is not so important to just get the gum back. Will it stay over time? Yeah. And these, some of these things are still in a very, very early phase mm-hmm. and are still controversial. What do you think the future is of dentistry? Do you, do you have any predictions or any kind of exciting things that you're looking forward to? Yeah, I think, um, I think that um, there's a lot of exciting things that are coming in and it's mainly due to the technology. Mm-hmm. Um, I think early diagnosis is a key. So I think one thing that people um, normally forget, nobody would, have die of, nobody would die of cancer today if there was an early diagnosis. Mm. With early diagnosis, you can actually cure every single cancer. Yeah, it can be preventative. Yeah, the main problem is that there's that lack of early diagnosis. Mm -hmm. And because it is silent for a long time, before you feel something, Mm -hmm. it becomes the problem. So with dentistry, I'm using something called a digital um, cavity um, recorder. So I'm using lasers to pick up cavities on the surface of the teeth. I've been using this technology for 10 years. Wow. So, so that is an exciting area where you can, you can do early diagnosis and you can tell the difference between a stain and a cavity much more rapidly. Interesting. The digital x-ray itself is an amazing thing because you get 90% less radiation and now you can blow up the images and see things in a much better way than you could. Hmm. The whole area of scans in dentistry and finding some of these mysterious ill uh, diseases, infections, pain, sensitivities, where do they come from? And as a result, have proper treatment and you're not overloading the per- people with either antibiotics, medication, or improper treatment hmm. is a, another early area that is very, very important. In the area of sleep apnea, what's happening inside the mouth and how is it contributing? It is a growing area that people will get diagnosed with dentists and they can do sleep apnea studies with their dentists um, in order to find out some of these things that would impact the rest of the body through the dentist as well. Yeah, it's interesting that I did that scan at my dentist's office and he was showing me all these different data from obviously all the patients that he's had just for research. And it seems that when they change the bite, somehow the airway expands. It's like, what the hell? It's so so crazy that that is even a cause, but it makes sense when you really think about it. Right, right. Because part of the the obstruction, so when when you're looking at, I, I think the easiest way to answer your question right now. So if somebody who's passed out, you, you're going to initiate CPR on them, right? You tilt their head backward. 
The reason why you tilt their head backward is to open up the airway. What are you trying to do is the tongue. You're trying to get the tongue out of the way. Mm. So if your arch is narrow and your tongue doesn't have enough room and you're sleeping, the tongue becomes the obstruction to breathing. Yeah. It's crazy. So, so some of these things are already, there is certain signs and symptoms and certain ways that you're trying to do that naturally in nature is there. And now it's expanded to this whole idea of let's look at sleep apnea. What are the certain obstructions, narrow arches, these bad bites, all of these different things are again, early signs and symptoms of these sleep apnea patients. And now looking at it, from the angle of opening up and enlarging the arch is much better than even when with patients at an early age, they had crowding, they would take out their teeth and they do braces and they would close their spaces. Now they're trying to open up the arch rather than extract teeth Mm -hmm. because it would come back to harm them later on in life. Yeah. So I, I think there's a lot of exciting development not only in dentistry but also in medicine do you think that we'll ever be able to grow our teeth back that has been again an area uh that we haven't had much success Mm -hmm. exactly as to why i don't know but we should if we are growing organs we should be able to grow some things back And we have to overcome the limitations. Again, as more data comes through with organ transplants and stem cells and how these stem cells would work, that type of technology penetrates other areas of healthcare, including dentistry, to figure out what to do. I am currently working with a medical doctor who does extensive stem cell research, trying to regrow back bone through stem cells. Wow, interesting. So so we're we're working on it. Uh, So we'll see. So fascinating, man. That's some exciting stuff, especially on the research end. You get to be on the forefront. That's that's an exciting exciting career. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, thank you. Anything coming up for you that that you're excited about? Any projects or... Yeah, I think the most exciting things, I'm um, finishing up a book. That's right. Called uh, Toxic Overload. Toxic Overload. Which which talks about the rise of autoimmune disease Mm. and its relationship to use of antibiotic and uh, antibacterial ingredients in environment. Wow. As the infectious diseases has gone down, autoimmune disease has gone up. Oh, yeah. And the relationship. And we talk about the microbiome, oral microbiome, and everything else in it. So I'm very um, excited to finish up this book, actually this month, oh, and cool. get it published. So nice. You have to send me a link. Exciting. I mean, right absolutely. now, by the time we publish this episode, we could definitely link it as well. Sure. So we'll send me a absolutely. Link. Well, final question for you, buddy. What are you most grateful for right now? I think, um, first of all, I'm most grateful for to, to be healthy and my family and my oh, friends yeah. being healthy, right? I think in a, in a society where everybody's being productive and working all the time, we take uh, a lot of things for granted. And one of them is our health. How easily uh, we can lose our loved ones or loved ones can become sick 
or we end up being uh, prisoners in our own home as a result of an outbreak of a virus. So uh, grateful for the health of myself and my family and all my friends. Likewise, man, it's, it's, it's a priceless thing to be healthy. If you're healthy right now, you're wealthier than a lot of people in the world. Absolutely, absolutely. guys well i hope that inspired you into looking into your own oral health beyond just the surface level that we tend to associate oral health with which is usually just brushing twice a day maybe flossing every now and then getting a cleaning at your dentist every six months these things are important but there's so much more to oral health is the level of toxins that we put in our body you know what procedures are we having how hard are we brushing what is the bite alignment are you eating acidic foods what's the ph in your mouth all these things can contribute highly to problems down the road that are very expensive and again teeth at this point we can't regrow them yet and so that's the only set that you have so treasure them and really learn to uh, create a practice around your oral health that's why i hope this inspired you is to realize the extent to which this is important and to really create a practice in your life. Dr. Roosh is an amazing person. You want to follow him at The Smile Expert on Instagram. If you want to check out any of his products that we've mentioned in the episode, go to oralessentials.com. I think I'm going to check out myself the uh, whitening product that he was talking about. It's super cool because if you've done any whitening, you know the pain that comes with the sensitivity. And it's just, honestly, for me, it wasn't worth it. You know, I mean, whitening is important, but it wasn't that important to endure the pain. So that's a pretty cool solution, especially uh, also the other stuff we talked about with the antimicrobial mouthwashes and alcohol mouthwashes, how that can affect the microbiome. And so there's ways around that, holistic ways to really support the oral microbiome in a much more holistic and better way. So make sure you go check that out, oralessentials.com. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Make sure you share it with anybody who needs to hear this message today. If you like this kind of stuff, we're doing it every Friday and on Tuesdays. Make sure you subscribe. Don't forget our quotes. You get two bonus quotes today, man. That's pretty awesome. A great smile is always in fashion. And Coco Chanel said, the best things in life are free. The second best are expensive. Great reminder that a smile is more than just your looks. You know, it's your confidence. It's your health. Take care of your teeth because that's the stuff that's in the list of free things that you get, you know, the things that are the best in life. And when they start breaking down, they go in that second list, which is very expensive. So do your best, do your own research, you know, look at the power of your oral health routine on the impact of the rest of your health and your life and really take some action today. Make a list today of the, some of the things you learned from this episode and take one piece of action, whether it's, you know, finding a holistic dentist in your area, you know, to redesigning your oral healthcare routine from what you've learned, you know, how maybe you're, you brush too hard and that's been eating away at your gums, brush a little lighter or get a different toothbrush. Pick one thing you can take action on and take action on it. Document your results too. Let me know. Tutor at danceoflife.com. My email is always open. Tune in on Tuesday for a little Transformation Tuesday. We're going to pick it back up again with three spiritual gangsters that I want you to know in your life. Three awesome people that have made some profound changes in the world and impact I'm going to share with you that can empower you and help you through personal struggles, through chaos, 
great, great people. I share those with you on Tuesday. And on Friday, I'm going to be interviewing Dr. Nima Ramani. He's a coach. He's a teacher. He's a creator of something called the Overview Experience. And he teaches people how to become trigger proofs. We're doing next week's going to be awesome for emotional mastery, emotional management, healing from trauma, recovering, you know, from, from all these things that we, from the wounds that we get through life, you know, so make sure you tune in for both those episodes for a little Tuesday transformation and on Friday with Dr. Nima. It's got some great stuff coming up for you guys. Until then, hope you enjoy the rest of your day. Remember, your life is a dance. So go out there and dance it well. For more inspiration, free resources, and bonus content, stay connected at danceoflife.com.